Before beginning this episode, I would like to say thank you to the regimental chief warrant officers and the chief warrant officers of the branches and those command chief warrant officers who identified these 15 of 17 branch representatives. I appreciate the opportunity to get to know both you and these junior leaders. Thank you so much for your time and the opportunity. 15 of 17 branches have now identified representatives, and I am looking forward to hopefully getting all 17 branches by the end of the year. Thank you also to longtime listener Isaac Van Meter. Isaac, you've been there from the start, and I appreciate your support. Best wishes to you in 2022. Best wishes also to my narrator, Nicholas, in your travels this season. Welcome to another Cohort W podcast episode, bringing you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most exciting and enterprising young warrant officer leaders. Each episode is dedicated to exploring real-life leadership in the warrant officer cohort and tackling the problems faced in large-scale combat operations and multi-domain operations. And now... Here's your host. Hello. In today's episode, my incredibly excellent guest shares some personal and professional experiences as a medical service corps warrant officer. Then we will examine how those experiences contribute to meeting doctrinal requirements for the medical service corps. All Cohort W guests were recommended by senior warrant officers in their branch. Today, I am joined by medical service corps warrant officer, Chief Warrant Officer 3, Carlos Rivera. Thanks so much for your time today, Carlos. Can you share with the audience a little bit about yourself, please? Absolutely, Mr. Hauser, and thank you for having me. Uh, my name is CW3 Carlos Rivera. My family's from a small town on the west side of Puerto Rico called Ormigueros. But I'm a military brat who grew up in multiple different parts of the United States as my father PCS from duty station to duty station. I joined the Army in May of 2001 as a then 91 Alpha and now 68 Alpha biomedical equipment specialist and served as an active enlisted member for almost 13 years until becoming a warrant officer in March of 2014. I'm married to my beautiful wife, Nubia, and we have three children together, two boys, Carlos and Colin, and my little princess, Zoe, who pretty much runs the show. On my off time, I enjoy outings with my family and watching Alabama football. Roll Tide Roll. Thank you. What are your MOS, MOS title and duty position, please? My MOS is a 670 Alpha, a health services maintenance technician. I'm currently serving as the director of the medical maintenance management division within the 6 Medical Logistics Management Center. We provide strategic medical logistics solutions and synchronization to joint force to support theater level and geographic combatant commands, contingency operations, and defense support of civil authorities. The Medical Service Corps currently has 77 warrant officer authorizations for active duty and about 76 authorizations on the reserve and guard side of the house. 670 Alphas on the active side are stationed in a number of different locations and positions across the globe, serving as health service maintenance technicians at medical centers and medical treatment facilities for the Defense Health Agency, regional health commands, medical brigades, multifunctional medical battalions, medlog companies, and field hospitals. We also have 670 Alphas embedded with special organizations such as DLA, AMLC, USAMA, and HFPA. The 6 Medical Logistics Management Center is based out of Fort Detrick, Maryland. Thank you. Shifting gears, can you tell me what the daily work of a 670 Alpha is like in garrison and in field and training and deployment situations, please? Well, simply put, Mr. Hauser, as a health service maintenance technicians, our main mission on a daily basis is to ensure the health and well-being of our warfighters and their families. And we do this through the sustainment and life cycle management of all medical equipment, medical systems, medically related devices, and networked medical equipment that is found within all of our medical 
medical treatment facilities and clinics across the world, as well as on any battlefield we may find ourselves on, which is the main function of our 670 Alphas. Along with the maintenance of medical devices, 670 Alphas and medical treatment facilities are involved in advising commanders on the procurement and sustainment, as well as ensuring that the devices used in medical treatment facilities are FDA approved and safe for patient use. We ensure that the medical providers that work to maintain our warfighters' health and fitness have all the required tools they need to perform that mission and that those tools are in safe working order. In a field and deployed setting, our 670 Alphas continue to manage the service and repair of medical devices, but on a much broader scale and for the many external customers that we may encounter within a specific AOR. Our goal in that environment is to maintain the same level of world-class healthcare our soldiers have come to expect within our medical treatment facilities by providing medical maintenance support as far forward as possible. Health service warrants, support medical material movement, maintenance services, and support to the 68 Alphas within the BCTs and other combat organizations. They do this through the use of four logistic elements or contact repair teams that can be pushed from medical logistics companies to almost anywhere on the battlefield. We also have three theater lead agents for medical materials strategically placed around the globe that are able to receive evacuated equipment from far forward for services and repairs that cannot be performed by the medical maintainer for. These organizations give us the capability to maintain a unit's medical readiness at a high level by limiting the degradation to a unit's medical capabilities. All right. That's very detailed. How does that work fit into supporting the doctrinal requirements for uh, support to warfighting function? So our work as 670 Alphas is nested with the sustainment and protection warfighting functions. Within sustainment, we support the elements of logistics, personnel services, and health service support. As health service maintenance technicians, we are extremely involved in the acquisition, storage, movement, distribution, maintenance, and disposition of medical devices in both hospitals and field settings. Also, in the absence of a 120 Alpha construction engineering technician, we are trained to advise commanders in the design and layout of field hospitals in austere environments to include the power distribution and water throughout field facilities to ensure devices are operational and safe for patient use. By having a role in the medical welfare and readiness of all soldiers who receive care at a military medical treatment facility, field hospital, ground ambulance company, or battalion aid station, we support the sustainment functions that man the force and maintain soldier and family readiness, which enables the fighting qualities of the Army within protection. We provide a key element to the AMED's ability to provide health service support across all Army and partner formations. Health service support includes combat casualty care, which encompasses the 10 medical functions, all of which you can find medical devices. All 670 Alphas in the Army are also trained as 70 kilos or health service material officers and are able to assist in the procurement, management, and distribution of Class 8 medical supplies. Often forgotten about when discussing the warfighting functions, health service support is an element that is actually embedded within all the warfighting functions. Really, really nice. And thank you for that. Uh, I want to spin this up uh, another degree and ask you, how does your work then fit into large-scale combat operations? So, Mr. Hauser, within the Army and specifically within the maintenance community, we like to talk about commodities such as medical, ground, or camo, etc., It's how we determine our priorities as maintainers based on items that are considered pacing or mission critical and how we apply those resources to those commodities. The single most important commodity in the Army today is one less talked about, and that is the soldier. The warfighter itself is a commodity that the Army could not do without. Our role as 670 Alphas are directly aligned with maintaining and ensuring the readiness of that commodity. So when talking about large-scale combat operations, or LISCO, how do we in the medical logistics community continue to provide that lifeline of support to medical providers on the battlefield? 
Well, it starts with advising commanders on the ground on their ability to provide healthcare delivery based on supply, demands, and equipment readiness. This allows commanders to shift assets on the battlefield and redirect Medlock support as needed. We also continue to ensure the equipment sets embedded as strategic assets across the globe, such as Army pre-positioned stock or readiness cycle float devices at TLAMS are serviced and ready to be deployed into theater. We ensure that the bandwidth at our three medical maintenance operation divisions are able to perform depot-level sustainment support for all medical devices within the Army inventory, ensuring that the warfighter has uninterrupted access to healthcare delivery on the battlefield by ensuring that equipment is accessible, ready, and safe for patient use when needed is our number one priority. Keeping our number one commodity in the fight is a function that directly supports LISCO operations at any and all echelons. Without healthcare support on the battlefield, our ability to sustain a fighting force within LISCO will be severely degraded, and that healthcare support starts with medical logistics. Great. And I think you had mentioned earlier uh, about going deep into the fight. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you said that earlier. And that, again, sounds like you will go anywhere that there is medical equipment to take care of people. That is correct, Mr. Hauser. Our number one priority is that warfighter that's on the battlefield, and we try to provide the maintenance of those medical devices as far forward as possible to maintain the uptime and to limit commander's ability to provide that healthcare support as close to the fight as possible. Beautiful. Thank you. Going on then, how does your work fit into multi-domain operations? Absolutely, Mr. House. So again, just to reinforce is that our number one priority as medical maintainers is to ensure the constant availability of healthcare delivery on the battlefield through the maintenance and repair of any and all medical devices found on that battlefield. When talking MDO or multi-domain operations, we focus on ensuring that the medical devices that are currently in the inventory or new devices being introduced to the Army inventory are able to function within those different domains and that we have the capability to service and maintain them within those domains as well. Medical devices are extremely complex equipment sets that can be affected by a number of different factors, such as changes in atmospheric pressure in the air or on sea, different environmental changes on land, such as extremely cold or hot environments, as well as prolonged exposure to different elements can drastically change the output or operation of medical devices. Healthcare providers rely on these technical devices and their readings to assess casualties on the battlefield, so we must ensure that they are able to operate in any environment we may find ourselves as an army. We do these through extensive testing of these devices within the domains they may find themselves in before they are introduced to the inventory. A more recent domain that we have found that could have a dramatic effect on medical devices is cyberspace. With the continued advances in technology, medical device capabilities continue to improve. One of those improvements is the ability to place some network-capable devices, such as infusion pumps or vital signs monitors, on the network, improving the collection of patient information directly from devices to the electronic health record, as well as allowing maintainers to validate the operations of those devices from afar. But these advances come with a cost, and that is leaving our system and patient data and information at risk for cyber attack. This possibility actually came to light a few years ago with the WannaCry ransom attack. WannaCry was a cyber attack that targeted network-connected devices running older versions of Microsoft Windows. This attack essentially locked out a user's ability to use an infected device and access a device's data until a payment was made. Come to find out that a large amount of the medical devices found in our medical treatment facilities and field units were running on Windows operating systems that were susceptible to this specific attack and had these devices been infected and connected to the network, we could have lost critical life-saving capabilities across the entire health 
healthcare network. So just imagine how a similar attack could affect our ability to provide healthcare on the battlefield. It could be devastating. We have since partnered with manufacturers to ensure that medical devices are patched with updated malware protection to ensure continuous care to our service members. That's a very uh, interesting anecdote you shared about that vulnerability, and I'm glad it's I'm glad that it's um, patched, and uh, you guys are moving on and keeping our medical information uh, safe and reliable for review for those medical professionals. So thank you. I'd like to shift gears and ask you uh, to reflect a little bit with me. And what have you learned, or what would you like to share with the audience about your work's importance as part of the Army's mission? Well, you know, after 20 years of service, Mr. Hauser, with the medical main field, the single most important thing that I've learned is that we as maintainers on medical devices play a significant role in saving lives each and every day. Whether in garrison or on the battlefield, the work that we do is directly linked with saving the lives and the overall well-being of not only warfighters across all services, but their families and veterans as well. For years, I only looked at the direct function that I was performing, the maintenance, and not the actual impact that function had on so many beneficiaries. It wasn't until a soldier of mine, Mass Sergeant Fitzhugh, who was a staff sergeant at the time, told me how he was selected to brief a general officer on medical maintenance operations in Usamsi Swal. And when the GO walked into the shop, Sergeant Fitzhugh opened the conversation with, Sir, my name is Staff Sergeant Fitzhugh, and welcome to medical maintenance. Our mission here in medical maintenance, sir, is to save lives. And we do this through the service and repair of medical devices on the battlefield. This one statement quickly got the GO's attention, and he was instantly invested in what we do. That's when I realized how critically important medical maintenance is not only to the war fighter on the battlefield, but also to the millions of beneficiaries seen at Army MTFs across the globe day in and day out. Those beneficiaries just so happen to include the people most precious to me, my family. So yeah, I've learned. So what we do is save lives and our medical maintainers need to remember that when they are servicing any medical device they may come in contact with in MTFs or on the battlefield. Great. Thank you. I appreciate that, Carlos. And final question, what would you say to a warrant officer who just graduated candidate school about the future of your branch or what general guidance would you have for one of those newly minted warrant officers? So Mr. Hauser, I was actually looking forward to this question because we actually have a group of 670 alphas scheduled to graduate early February. Now, say to them as well as their classmates is, first and foremost, congrats and welcome to the cohort. Next, I would say work hard in knowing your craft. Understand what your mission is and figure out how you as a warrant officer fit into that mission and how you can best execute and support your commanders. Really focus on becoming a great subject matter expert in your field and not just being a great soldier. There's a big difference between the two. Don't be a yes warrant. Commanders will respect and trust you more if you are willing to be upfront and honest for both the good and the bad. Be your commander's honest broker. Start to build your personal network now. You didn't get to this point in your careers alone. Moving forward will be no different. Build contacts, people you can lean on and go to for support from everyone. Privates all the way up the chain. Everyone has something to offer. And never forget that everything we do as soldiers, we do as a team. And being a warrant is no different. Cultivate good, solid relationships with your team and succeed as a team, not as individuals. And last but not least, never forget that healthcare starts with medical logistics. Oh, that's great to hear. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. It's great to hear warrant officers talk doctrine. I thank you so much for your time and sharing how the work of warrant officers in your branch contributes to meeting the doctrinal warfighting requirements for medical services. Thanks so much, Carlos, and have a great day. You too, Mr. Hauser. Have a happy holiday and thank you. On behalf of the Warrant Officer Historical Foundation, thank you to today's guest for your insights on the future of warfare and the importance of the Warrant Officer to that fight. Please visit 
warrantofficerhistory.org to learn more about how you can help support the Foundation in programs like this. Special thanks to our theme music composer, Josh DiStefano. Visit joshdestefano.com to hear more of his outstanding works.